Good morning, everyone, and welcome inside the 360 Sports Show here on September 6th, 2020. I am Ada Pizzelli. Welcome to the show. We are streaming live to YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter on through Periscope, and Twitch. And we also put the show out as a podcast later on this afternoon. So if you can't catch us live, catch us there. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you like to get your podcast content. Just search for the 360 Sports Show. And if you can't find us somewhere, let us know, and we'll try and get on that platform. But we are everywhere. Uh, if you'd like to contact the show uh, while we're broadcasting live here, the email is right there on the screen, the360sportshow at gmail.com. You can also hit us up through the chat, through any of the live uh, platforms that we're streaming to right now, and those will come Write to us, and we'll get to your questions on the show. I'm Andy Pizzelli. Let's bring in now uh, my co-host, Christian Lauber. Christian, how are you doing here on another beautiful Sunday morning? All right. Uh, yeah, we're down to 116 days, so we're inching closer to that 100 mark. So that's good. Two weeks. Little, little over little over two weeks, and we're in, into, the, into the double digits. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, so a lot of sports news to catch up on. It's been a busy week. Um, Let's start with um, the NHL, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll just start uh, – we'll, we'll run through it really quick. Um, so uh, in the second round, uh, all, all the series finished. Tampa Bay beat Boston 4-1 uh, to in that series. All three other series went seven games. The Islanders beat the Phillies uh, – the, the Phillies – the Flyers in, in seven. Uh, Vegas beats – um, Vancouver in seven games, and Dallas uh, beats uh, Colorado in in seven games. So Dallas, Vegas, and Islanders, Rays in the uh, in the conference finals. Um, we, we're going to get into the Bruins and in their future because they're they're the biggest. I'd say out of you know what happened in that second round, that's the biggest story. Um, what the Bruins were this season and where they're going, all that sort of stuff. But out of the other series christian really any surprises there other than that those series went seven um i'd say the islanders probably are the biggest surprise but everyone else is kind of like you know dallas eh, they they should kind of be there it's not that crazy of an upset same with vegas i mean they were the number one team but uh islanders i'd say are the biggest surprise yeah uh yeah i mean the Islanders snuck in um you know late obviously with the startup but I do think the Islanders, um, they play big. They got some, they have some skill up front and, and Barry Tross is Stanley Cup winner as a coach. So it's, it's, it is surprising because I thought the Flyers were one of the, if not the hottest team going before the startup. And then it looked like it when they came back, they were ready to go. Um, but I think the Islanders are a tough team. Um, they play big. They got some size, uh, a lot of skill with Barzal and guys like that. And um, solid goalie and the coach. So the coach's experience, he's been there. So I would say uh, it's surprising, not too surprising. But overall, out of all the other series, I mean, they were all close. Um, I think some of that is expected other than the Bruins. Um, and, you know, Tampa's a wagon. So we'll see what happens in the next round between. Because I think the Islanders match up much better with Tampa Bay than uh, the Bruins do. Um, and I think they can withstand some of some of the uh, some of the pressure that Tampa will throw at them. So that'll be an interesting series. Yeah, um, you mentioned Matt Barzal there. Uh, who would you rather have, Christian, Zach Senishin or Matt Barzal? 
Yeah. Yeah, we can go through that draft. Oh, God, is it bad. Uh, the two Maho and all these guys. That, referencing that the, the 2015 draft, that's where the Bruins, I think that was from trading Lucic, correct? They had the three first-round picks in so. there. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. So the, the Bruins had the 13th, 14th, and 15th pick of the draft. Jakob Zaboril. <laughs> I can't even yeah. Zborl. I can't Zobrol. even I, Zobrol, yeah, I can't even say his name right. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, I'd say solid, like not terrible, not great, but solid. And then Zach Senishin, who we don't even know what. You don't know yet what he's going right to be. Now, right now, it's a fail. Yeah, right now it's a fail. Right 100%. now, right now it's a fail because of the immediate next pick, which is Matt Barzell. <laughs> yeah. Don't you wish you had that guy? Uh, yikes. Uh, yeah, and then there's obviously there's there's plenty of players um, after that in that draft where it's like, oh, man. Uh, they also, I think it was part of that draft, too, uh, they had um, the goaltender Jones, too, and then and then they flipped him, I think, to get Zorbril. Uh, so... Maybe you wish you kind of had another goaltender down the pipe, huh? Uh, so Maybe. we'll uh, we'll we'll dive right into that with with the Bruins. I mean, they they win Game One against Tampa Bay, and then they proceed to lose the next four straight. I'd say two of those games, honestly, they they could have gone either way. I mean, like the the, the game. Uh, was it game three or game? Was it game two or game three that went overtime? I can't remember. Game two, game two, and game uh, five. Game three was. Oh, yeah, that's right. Game three was the the blowout. So yeah, so game two. I mean that, and we said at the time the difference in the series, probably the difference in the series. You're the older team, and even though they should be rested, um, you you're playing. You could go up two zero, or you're gonna go. It's gonna be even, and then you're playing the immediately next night. After playing overtime. And they fought back in that game and brought it to overtime. And it seemed like, okay, here we go. Be up 2-0. Maybe we drop game three, but come back ready. You know, odds are in your favor. And they can't find a way to win game two. And then the rest is history. I mean, they get annihilated in game three. Game four is just uh, uh, another tough game. And game five, you know, they battle right to the end. And it was just... I think the difference, and we said this, we've both agreed, Tampa Bay is just the better team. And the Bruins have a lot of great players. It's just a bad matchup because of the lack of size defensively. And what that happened is you saw, it, it felt, it was like Groundhog Day. I had never seen so many tipped puck goals in my life. But that was just their strategy. Everything was going to be thrown at the net. The, the, uh, the Rays. Lightning knew that they couldn't move anybody, that the Bruins weren't going to be able to move them out from in front, and so they were just going to try and throw everything in front and muck it up. And on top of that, make it hard on a backup goaltender, which is what Yaroslav Halak is. I think he was solid. I think because of all the tipped goal, you know, I don't think there was very few times I thought like, oh, wow, he got undressed there and just doesn't look ready. I mean, t the litany of tipped goals Yes, you want him to make a save on some of those, like something freakish. But when it's happening like four times a game, I mean, you can't you can't ask that a guy to make that save more than once a game. You know, those types of saves are once a game 
saves. And when, like, <laughs> three goals are happening that way and, like, 80% of the shots are being tipped in front, what are you supposed to do as a goaltender? So I really think it's just – it was just a to- – I don't want to say it's a collapse because what the Bruins were in the startup is not what they were in the spring. And I think if this had happened in the spring, it would be way more disappointing. But the shutdown, they lose their goaltender, and we can get into that in his future. You're in the bubble. Also the context of everything else that's just happening in the world. It's not as big as a bummer as, say, it just puts into more perspective, like, losing last year in the cup final for me. That's more what I come back to. It's like, man, this was probably the last run with this group. And you see how hard it is and how lucky you have to get sometimes. And losing last year when they were, I believe, the superior team to the Blues now hurts more than losing this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, I mean, look, I think Halak is what he is. He's a backup goaltender. He's a solid backup. Uh, So is he to blame for the losses? No. I think in some spots there, I think you need a save. I think there's key moments in these games where you're asking your goalie who can who sees the puck coming at him and he just flubs it off his off his goal uh, off his his mitt. Um, that just can't happen. And in this series, that happened a number of times where they needed a big save and they give it up and the Lightning are off and running. Obviously, uh, not his fault. He, it is what he is. He came in on. Uh, what a day notice, and and he played pretty well. Uh, you know, I'm not going to take that away from him. He played pretty well, but he's just he couldn't make those key spot saves. Um, and I know you pose this question, and I'll steal it from you. Would Rask have made a difference in that series? 100%. I think if Rask has his head screwed on straight, uh, he makes he makes a number of those saves that Halak doesn't. Like Halak was, he looked very odd with his 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 catcher's mitt. I mean, he was playing it like a catcher's mitt. He, 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 sometimes he looked like he was trying to catch a curveball when it was supposed to be a fastball, and it would just go underneath his glove. Um, so I think Rass does make a difference in that series. Now, obviously, there's a, a big, totally there's a big if, there's story. a big if there. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's a totally different story with him, and and you know the track record that that comes with Tuka Rask, but one hundred and ten percent, he makes a difference because. You know, if he has his head screwed on straight, he's a pretty damn good goalie. But that's that's another big if. It, does he have his head screwed on straight? And obviously, family emergency and the bubble and everything. He did. He wasn't engaged from the start, so it is what it is. Yeah, I think that's that's the big. I mean, it's it's you're at you're you're up, so assuming a lot there that he'll have his head screwed on straight. And I think, you know. I think if he wasn't going to be comfortable in the bubble, he probably could have told the team earlier on. Um, that wouldn't have made much of a difference, clearly. I think they, they probably wouldn't have gone any further than they did uh, if they could have known and rallied around uh, maybe Yarrow a little sooner because um, obviously they were able to get out of the first round. Um, I, I just think that if he was there, clearly he clearly he didn't want he want he did not want to be there. He did not want to be there, and. He was not going to be, you know, he's talking about, even before a family emergency cropped up, he's talking about, normally I'm golfing right now. I'm not really worried about results. Kind of already resigned to this idea that, 
no matter what happens, this is just kind of like an anomaly year. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't count. That's kind of the vibe we were getting. So I just feel like you weren't going to get what you wanted out of that guy anyways. What this leads me to, though, is what about next year? I mean, all odds are that the 2020-2021 season are going to have to be played in a bubble. Now, maybe it's more of like a, a, a regional bubble. You know, they set up kind of like what the NBA's discussed, where, okay, these, you know, six teams play here, these six teams play here. Once you guys are done playing each other, half of you will then hit the road and go over here. The other half will then travel and then come up to here, blah, blah, blah. But you're going to basically be in a bubble-type environment uh, for a season. Is Tuca going to be able to handle that? Is he going to be able to get up for that and play for that? And I I just feel like I like the guy. I think he's probably a, a, a – I've never met him personally. Uh, but obviously his teammates all, all seem to talk glowingly about him. They like him. I think he's a great person. I've just never felt from being a fan and being an analyst and watching that he's this great competitor. And I just think with the price tag that's on him, with what this team kind of is currently constructed as, I just think it's time to move on. I, I just I don't I, I, I just think with everything else that's going on, I just don't I, I wouldn't want to ride another year with the guy and you're in a position like you were this year and then he bails on you. Whether it's just whether him leaving is justified or not. I mean, he left and then decided not to come back. He easily could have come back to the bubble. But I think the guy wanted out of the bubble to begin with. And this a situation cropped up, which was his out, and he took it. So I I don't know. How do you feel, Christian? I, I, I think, one, I don't even know if you, I mean, I, I'd say you explore trading the guy. But, I mean, I'd be willing to just, like, leave him in the uh, expansion draft and, and let the, the Kraken take him uh, off your hands uh, if need be and, uh, and just start rebuilding. You know, you probably let Tory Krug walk, and now you get a whole bunch of money to play with, and you retool this team to make another little three-year run with the vet guys you have and like and the young guys that are, that are ascending. Yeah, I mean, Krug's another another point to get to as well. Uh, in terms of Tuca, I don't know. I think, it, you know, just by track record, I feel like the Bruins are going to bring this this whole core back and try to win one more. I just don't see. I, I don't see that that's that's a a good move. I, I, I mean, how many times are we going to see? As long as Tampa's sitting there in the division and there you're going to get them most every year unless they have a meltdown like you can't rely on Tampa losing you know in order to get to a cup final i just don't think the bruins they don't have enough uh at this stage and and they're a lot older um they have nagging injuries between Bergeron's groin and 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 Pasternak's always hurt and i just think it's time to i'm not sure i would bring uh rask back i i don't think at this stage i mean See what you have in, in Vladar or or someone, and, and bring Halak back, and and you'll have a decent duo there, and kind of set yourself up for um, the future in some ways, and and kind of uh, clear some room on the books, um, and maybe sign Krug. Krug, I think, is gone, 
but uh, you could try to make a stab at it. And and if he is gone, I'm not paying him ten million bucks a year. So uh, see you later on that one. Yeah, no way. I mean, but here's the thing with with Tory Crew. I mean, this year he made five. Um, you know, it, I I don't he he's very very good on the power play, right? He's he's an excellent offensive defenseman. Defensively, he's okay. But you saw in this series, they picked on him. They and, and they they picked on some of the other smaller Bruins defensemen, and you know, just they knew that those guys weren't going to be able to move the big guys out from the slot, and that's how you wind up with all this mess in front, and you can expose, uh, you know, uh, a goaltender who's just not used to playing starter minutes and you know being in the game, being there all the time. I, I really wouldn't. I'd pay Tory Krug six million to come back if we're getting rid of Rask and Char is coming back on like a which he said he wants to. Char says he wants to come back, and I'd yeah. I'd, I'd imagine in that scenario he he's not going to ask from if he asks for like anything more than like a vet minimum contract, then I I I'd, I'd hope that the Bruin I love the guy to death, but I'd hope the Bruins say. Thanks, but no thanks, uh, Big Z. And then he just retires, right? Yeah, there's no way he would ask for much. I, I can't imagine that he would, you know, put them over a barrel and then leave over like half a million dollars or something like that. I think he, you know, he obviously wants to be here. So. He, yeah, he's gonna he, he's gonna play here or retire, and he might as well just take the minimum because I think he just wants to be on the team again. Um, that's how I feel about Chara. Yeah, the problem is he. he uh, how do you make? How do you have him take a step back? I don't think he's a top line pairing anymore. I, I think that's pretty clear. And I think anyone that's saying that we should keep him just for, um, you know, oh, he's good captain, good this. I agree, but also I think it's time to kind of find out what you have on that top pairing with either Grizzlick or McAvoy, Grizzlick McAvoy, Lausanne McAvoy, something like that. Some other pairing up there. Um, in terms of Krug, though, I mean, look, he's between. I, I, I would guess Brent Burns makes eight million a year, and Eric Carlson is is the highest in the league at eleven and a half. I guarantee you, he's in the range of of Jacob Truba or uh, Ekman Larson, like that eight million range. Uh, there's no way I'm going to be paying that. So I, I can't. I can't imagine they would. How do you feel about this then? You get rid of Krug, you know, you let him walk. And you sign Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. You would do that. Now, if you let Rask go, you and you let Krug walk, uh, you've got then money to add an extra add add a add a D. And I think if I think if you just give, I think Charlie McAvoy is ready to step into that power play role that that Krug fills. So you could kind of have him start to take over that spot. And if you let Rask go, and you can kind of start to poke around some of these other offensive players that are that are on the books and kind of shore up some get shore up your scoring a little bit more. The only problem is that, you know, do you think you could bring if you say add a guy if you added Petrangelo and let's just say, for sake of argument, let me pull up a free agent list here of forwards, if this thing will load. 
uh, and say you took some money and you went after a guy like what the heck? <laughs> oh, hey, guess what? Nathan Horton's a free agent. <laughs> um, no, but you went after a guy like say, uh, uh, and I, I'm just looking at what their cap hits were last year. Obviously, some of these guys are going to get make more money, but uh, <laughs> Taylor Hall's a free agent. No way they touch him. Um, but you go you go after a, a solid second or third line forward, right? Um, can you just bring back Halak and be fine, or would you rather take a chance on this free agent market, which is thin? I mean, at that point, like, is Corey Crawford better than Yaro Halak? Yes. Is Jimmy Howard um, at 36 better than Yaro Halak? Uh, that's pretty comparable, I'd say. Um, Braden Holby. Braden Holpe, 31. Are the Caps ready to just blow everything up? Yeah, well, I think Holpe's kind of washed, I'll be honest. I don't think he's been great. Um, yeah. I, he, I mean, had his, he had his years, but I, I don't know if he's exactly what he was. What about Matt Murray from Pittsburgh? Yeah, I took a stab at him. Yeah, why not? Yeah, he's... he's I think you could easily fill... If you if you weren't uh, looking to do like a block or, or Vladar you know, tandem there, you could easily find someone on the market in, in, in goal. And I mean, look in the NHL, a goalie gets hot, a goalie gets hot. doesn't matter if you're, you're paid a million bucks or 7 million bucks. We've seen that before. It's like, you know, between Rask and, and whoever, I mean, you, you've seen it. They, one guy gets hot and that's it. So I think you could fill that. I mean, their, their biggest needs are, are size um, on the back end. And I mean, they could use some size up front, not named Nick Ritchie. I think that experiment is is done and over with. I hope. Yes, hopefully. Um, and they need some finish because they. How many times can you get open looks at the net and just miss it right to the high glass? I feel like it was watching like Sean Thornton try to try to shoot um, the entire series. It's like Bergeron gets an open open shot in the slot and he goes high glass over the top. Nobody could score, so I think you know their biggest needs are obviously some someone that can finish for the love of God, and then um, between size and yeah, a little bit more skill up front that can that can that has some touch on the puck. But they really need to upgrade their size. I mean, their decor they get they just get crunched throughout the whole series. They get weared down. It's the same thing with with St. Louis last year. Yeah. So. A lot, a lot could be changing, or a lot could stay the same uh, with the Bruins. Um, so, but they'll be on. Uh, they're at home watching now. Brad Marchand talked about how it just—he was like he rode by the Garden uh, in his car, and it just felt like bizarre to be back and to be home because they had planned to be in a bubble till October. Um, yeah. Anyway, predictions for the uh, the conference finals: uh, Vegas and Dallas, and the Islanders and Tampa Bay. Uh, who who do you got in those series? So I think it's probably going to be Vegas Tampa, but I'm going to say Dallas because I want Dallas to win it um, for old friend Tyler Sagan, and I'll take the Islanders. I think the Islanders match up pretty well. Um, now watch they get they'll get swept, but you know Tampa has some time off here, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We'll find out. But I think you know t- uh, the Islanders. They have they have more than people think, so I'll be interested to see. But I'll 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 take them. I think Tampa and, and Vegas will probably get there, but I'll take the opposite 
Okay, so if you're going to take Dallas, Dal- Dallas and how many? Uh, probably seven. Dallas and seven. What about the Islanders? Seven. Seven. Uh, I'm going to take the Knights in five. Count them, one, two, three, four, five. And the uh, I'm going to take the Islanders as well in seven. I just think they got they, they, they're that team that's coming out of nowhere that uh, is just, I think, going to make one of those runs. Um, I don't know, you know, what had happened in a cup final with them against Vegas, um, but I feel like they just came off a game seven win. At, at least, I'll tell you this, they're going to win game one against Tampa Bay because Tampa's just been sitting there now, and the, usually in, in, in most sports, the team that was just playing usually has an edge in that first game of the new series if there's another team that's just been sitting there waiting around. So I li- yeah. I, li- I like the Islanders to at least win game one. <laughs> but Well, uh, we've seen how that goes. You win game one, then you get lose four in a row. Yeah. So uh, so moving on from the uh, from the NHL, if you have any uh, NHL-related questions or if you have any questions throughout the show, uh, drop a line in the comment section. Those will all come to us. We're broadcasting live on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, we, we're, we're live every Sunday at 11 a.m., and then we put the show out in the afternoon as a podcast for those who couldn't catch us live. And you can always email the show, the360sportsshow at gmail.com throughout the week, and uh, we'll get to that. Uh, if there's any messages in there, we'll get to those uh, in the mailbox segment. Uh, but let's move on now to the, uh, to the NBA, um, and we'll just quickly recap um, how the first round concluded. Um, don't need to give too much analysis because it's already it's basically like two week old news now. But uh, after winning Game One, uh, the Lakers uh, they storm back. They win. Uh, they win that series versus the Blazers uh, pretty handily. I mean, Damian Lillard ends up getting hurt and leaving the bubble. Uh, the Bucks take care of Orlando four one. The Heat sweep the Pacers. Celtics sweep the Sixers. Raptors sweep the Nets. Uh, the Clippers and the Mavs actually really battle it out. Uh, I feel bad for the Mavs. I think if Luca stayed healthy, and if uh, Chris Stapps uh, didn't hurt his knee, I think they, they could have had a chance to knock out the Clippers. I think we all kind of talked about that being a matchup that could be dangerous for the Clippers, and I think we all saw that that could have come to fruition. Dallas just wasn't healthy. Um, and then the two big series, uh, Houston and OKC, they go seven games, Rockets prevail. Uh, Denver and Utah go seven games, Utah blows a 3-1 series lead. Um uh, in an epic duel between Murray and Donovan Mitchell. Um, so in your second round now, for everybody to catch up, uh, the Heat up 3 nothing on the Bucks. The Rockets are up one nothing on the Lakers. Denver and the Clippers are tied 1-1. And after being up 2-0, the Boston Celtics are tied 2-2 with the Toronto Raptors, the defending champions. Uh, Christian, where would you like to start? Because I think there's intriguing storylines everywhere in these uh, in these NBA series here in the second round. Um, let's uh, let's start on the West. Okay. Uh, so I, I guess we'll start with 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 the Lakers and the Rockets then. So the Rockets win an absolute uh, slugfest of a series with the Thunder. And they come out, and like I said, game one seems to always favor that team that was just playing. And they win They win game one against the Lakers. Are you at all worried about the Lakers? I mean, I don't know. Is this just rust? You know, they've been sitting for a while. Rockets are, you know, coming off a big win. 
But also, like, LeBron didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter. Anthony Davis let himself be bodied by P.J. Tucker the whole night. Is it just uh, – I never want to write off LeBron in a series, you know, because it's just you just can't do that. It's like it's like you know, calling the Patriots down and out, you know, with Tom Brady. It's like you can't. Like I don't care. It's like a twenty point game in the third quarter. Like you just can't. You just can't count that guy out. So I don't want to say like, oh, the series is over, but like it just seemed like the Lakers were like LeBron played well for the first three quarters, and then he kind of like looked like, you know, uh. Cleveland Cavalier, first year at the Miami Heat, LeBron, where he, like, plays great and then just decides in the fourth quarter to just defer, 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 defer. Whereas normally later in his career, he's done that early so that he can just be selfish and take over late in games. Is this kind of a weird game? Is it just like a one-off, or, sh- or should we be worried here for, for the Lakers? Uh, probably just a one-off. I mean, they were they shot, like, 30% from three or below 30% from three. Uh, they, I don't know if they have enough though. I'll be honest. Um, what, like, I, I, what is Kyle Kuzma? Like, what is he supposed to be a good bench guy? Cause he, I feel like he gives them nothing and he's always a minus player. Um, between him and, I mean, Caruso has been their best guy off the bench and that hasn't really, I think he fobbled out in that game too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, the Rockets are small, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, Westbrook and Harden and obviously Eric Gordon, another guy, but they shot, you know, 36% from three and there's your game right there. Three and D is, is the key in the, in the bubble right now, whichever team shoots the three better, it wins the game most of the time. So I'm not too worried yet. I would say a big game for the Lakers to kind of bounce back in. Uh, you know, if you go down against this Houston team, uh, can you come back? Probably, but they also, they score 180 points five points a game and, and give up 140. So you could easily get blown out if you're not careful. Um, but I would say, you know, they, they have to bounce back for sure in game two, but I'll never really, I can't be worried until I see them kind of be on the brink. I think LeBron will, he can get to another gear whenever he wants. Yeah. I'd say the uh, if LeBron's not shooting in the fourth quarter, the Lakers are definitely in trouble. And, yeah. I agree. I mean, the the Rockets, I'm just waiting for a team. See, the Rockets have gone all in, right? They've gone all in with we're just going to play small, and every we're going to allow the, the floor is going to be completely spaced so guys can go one-on-one and attack the rim and kick out for, for threes if, if necessary. That That's what they're doing, right? Go all in the other way. Like, they're living and dying with three-point shooting. Live and die by getting a layup whenever you want if you put, like, Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard on the floor at the same time. Like, just punish yeah. for as much as you might get punished for giving up threes on one end, it's 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 a high, you know, the you, you play the averages. The Rockets playing the averages. D'Antoni's just gone all in. Why keep a big guy out there just because? Who cares? Put five small guys out there, and we're just going to shoot threes. And the averages say if we make our threes at a certain percentage, this is how many points we'll score. And we should win. Go the other way. Combat that with your size. Most teams can't do that. You have Anthony Davis. He should be owning this series. Now it's one game, right? So we don't know what will yeah, happen should, down the line. But Davis should dominate this series matchup, this matchup. Put Dwight Howard out there as well. Like, And, yeah, you're going to give up a lot of threes, probably, you know, at least attempts, you know, and you're just going to have to live with that. They're shooting that three anyways. I mean, 
These yeah. guys are shooting from just inside half court sometimes. So, you know what? Go all in the other way. You're going to give up, you know, however many threes per game, but they're not going to be able to stop you on the other end. So you're trading twos for threes, but if you shoot a better percentage, <laughs> you know, of, of, you know, it's it's going to come out close. And LeBron, shoot the ball in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. I just think I mean Davis Davis should be a dominant force in this series, and he really absolutely. wasn't game one. Absolutely, and I just think other teams aren't positioned. You know, other teams don't have a guy like an Anthony Davis, and then a guy like Dwight Howard as like a backup center that you could roll out there. Like, I wouldn't want the Celtics to roll out. Uh, Time Lord and Daniel Tice at the same time. Like, no, because those guys can't. Those guys can't move the same way. They also both. I mean, Tice can kind of shoot a three sometimes, but he's not like. It's not Anthony Davis, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, it's it's not even similar. Uh, you know, if you were, it, it it'd be back to the days, you know, when uh, you know the the Magic had Dwight Howard and Marching Gortat. It's like you know the the two towers that that sort of thing. You know, you yeah. you honestly should do that and just go big, go all in, go big. You know, have uh, LeBron play point and Kuzma, Davis, Dwight Howard, and then whoever else. You know, Pope. You know, go as big as you can. And yeah, some of these guys are going to get threes off. Just don't let them get layups. Dominate the paint. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I guess I'm not a coach, so. Uh, these teams are just going to get you. Just Brad Stevens talks about all the time. You get sucked into playing the Rockets game with them, and you're not going to win that way. You have to, you have to dominate your matchups. And hey, it's one game. I'm sure I, I expect the Lakers to bounce back, but we'll see. Um, the other series in in the West. Um, whoops, lost my screen here. One-one uh, between the Clippers and the Nuggets. Uh, the, the the Clippers dominate Game One. Uh, and then the Nuggets come right back and dominate game two. Um, I got to say, I saw somebody say it last night about Jokic, that he looks like he's playing the game in flip-flops, and now I just can't unsee that at all. Because the dude yeah, just looks so aw- so awkward sometimes, and he you know he's, he's pivoting, and he just looks like he's on his tippy toes, like moving around, it's just awkward, and then he throws up some like tomahawk shot, and then it's just money. It's, like, absolutely wet. <laughs> um, so the dude's, like, funky uh, to watch, but he does – he's efficient, and he scores. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of I – don't, I don't know. I don't know about this series. I just feel like it's the same deal with, with the Clippers that I had with them in the first round. I just don't – I just don't feel like they've been, like, bonded together yet. I just don't feel like they, they know what they are, and when they need a bucket – I feel like they don't even go to Kawhi or Paul George. They give it to Lou Williams and just let him – they just let guys go one-on-one. Uh, I just don't – I just still don't see that team thing with them. About I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm sure Doc is aware of it because that's like his whole thing is about preaching about guys doing it together. Um, but I just don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think if the Clippers went up 2-0 – they would have been in the driver's seat. I think now one one, especially with the way the bubble is, it just it, it I just feel like they're just gonna be in for another fight. I think this is gonna be another long series for the Clippers that maybe they find a way to win, but Denver is uh when healthy here, a better team than the uh than the Mavericks. 
and the Mavericks gave them a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the Clippers are still going to the finals, but I, I, you know, last night's game anyway, Kawhi had probably his worst game in maybe like seven years. Uh, he shot like four seventeen or eighteen or something like that, which is just ridiculous, and he didn't make a three. Um, so thirteen points for Kawhi is not ideal. If he's going, I, I think the, the Nuggets have no shot. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers win three straight, but I think it's at least going probably six, but I think the Clippers will win this series. Uh, Jamal Murray's a hell of a player, though, um, and Jokic obviously is uh, very good as well. And they have some they have some size um, that they can use their advantage against the Clippers because the Clippers, you know, they match up well against teams because of their size. So um, a team like Denver can, can cause some problems. Um, and I think... I don't know. I just think if Kawhi's on, I don't, I don't think Denver has a shot. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think that's the most intriguing, uh, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen matchup. Uh, the big surprise, because um, and, and, we'll leave the Celtics-Raptors series last, uh, back to the East, Miami, wow. They're 7-0 and in the playoffs now. I mean, they... The Pacers had been that hot team. We said, oh, are they a wild card? Can they give somebody trouble? Don't want to play the Pacers. The Heat roll right over them. T.J. Warren, have fun. <laughs> have a yeah. good summer. Or fall, I guess. Go fishing. Um, 4 nothing over them, and they are up 3-0 on the Bucks. And all of those games, I mean, they were close. Uh, I know the final score of Game Three wasn't close, but that's just because uh, Milwaukee's following at the end. Uh, it was it was a back and forth game to the very end. Uh, game Two is you know that crazy uh, Middleton is is draws a foul, which I think is absolutely ludicrous. I think if you jump five feet forward in the air and I'm just standing there with my hands up, and you jump into me, should not be a foul. Terrible call uh, against Dragic in Game Two. Well. The refs, because they called that, they had to call the next one on Giannis when he pushed Jimmy Butler after he let yeah. the ball go. So, uh, in the words of the great Cedric Maxwell, what makes you laugh makes you cry. So, uh, Jimmy Butler gets free throws with no time on the clock to, to walk off in game two. And then game three, it's just more the same. And uh, I'm going to leave, I think the best words for this series, I was talking with our uh, NBA uh, cap expert and insider uh, Matt Murphy about this series and you know he talked about uh, Miami made a whole bunch of trades they kind of reworked their team back in the spring uh, and this this is kind of his take uh, about what's happening here with the heat and especially this buck series uh, he said Adebayo has played so great and the heat got lucky with the stoppage in play because they made a huge deadline trade then had months to regroup. What we're seeing essentially is what the 2021 Heat would have looked like. Meanwhile, a hot team like the Bucks have just had to sit around and wait as everyone else prepared for them. I'd say that's that's prop that's exactly what we're seeing. And what we're seeing out of Milwaukee is what we've kind of said about Giannis about a month ago when he was bricking free throws left and right. And we both said if you want to go to a championship, if you want to win 
you're going to have to be able to develop that jump shot because teams are going to wall you off when it counts, and nobody else on that team can create their own shot. They're all just spot-up guys. You know, it's Matthews and Middleton and DiVincenzo and Connaught and Connaughton. Like, all these guys just sit in the corners or sit on the wings and let Giannis go to work, and then they shoot threes. Giannis is getting walled off. Yeah, I think he's a minus player in this in this series, you know, yeah, he is. Yep. W- which isn't good. Uh, and being down 3-0, hey, man, nobody's done it before. Nobody has ever overcome that deficit in in the NBA. So they're looking pretty toast. Whether or not they decide to come out here in game four and, and try, I don't know. Giannis, I guess, is doubtful. Uh, or question is it doubtful now? Or I know it had been questionable, uh, doubtful yeah, or questionable, questionable with an ankle sprain that he played all last game with. But is this like does he sit out and they lose? So it's kind of not his fault because while well, I was hurt, couldn't play. I don't know. I feel in. I think the Bucks. Yeah, I think they're halfway home, and I think they're they're absolutely torched. They're gonna lose in four. Yeah, yeah. The Heat are bubble factor. Yeah, the bubble factor is you get down like 0-3 and you're feeling like, yeah, let's just go home now. Might as well. Nobody's ever done it. Uh, and Giannis is hurt and overrated, and they're done. Yeah. I, and I think, I think like you said, too, about the bubble, Christian, it's not like, okay, listen, let's win game four here on the road. We're heading home. We're in Milwaukee. We're going to be tough to beat. We'll take game five. And then, hey, then we're in a game six. And if we steal game six, who knows what could happen in a game seven. It's, that's not the case. <laughs> you're, you're just going back to your hotel room, hanging out, and you're coming right back into the bubble, right back into that same court, in the same situation. Yeah. And the Heat aren't going anywhere. Nothing's going to change about the Heat than the way they're playing. So, yeah. And they're I, already making excuses for, for Milwaukee. So, I mean, the, just that, just a couple of headlines. Or a headline, how four months off derailed the Bucks run for a title. Well, not really. I mean, they could have come back and played well. Like, I, I just hate that argument. It's the same thing in every sport. I don't think Everybody they're playing poorly, though. Field. I don't think they're playing poorly. I just think they're being exposed. Yeah, they're getting outplayed. I mean, that's just sim- that's a simple vibe. I don't think they're playing terribly, but they're also just getting outplayed. The Heat are tough. Yeah. I just think we're seeing we're seeing what happened to the Bucks last year against the Raptors. Like, Giannis is great. He's kind of is is Giannis is Giannis going to become Peyton Manning? <laughs> uh, you know, accumulate oh, so. accumulate all these regular season stats and MVPs, but then just can't get it done in the playoffs. He'll be in Golden State or Miami next year, so he'll he'll probably win there. Yeah, well, and that's that's the interesting thing. And I was I was talking to Matt Murphy about this too. I said he's got one more year left on his deal. If you're the Bucks, I mean. <laughs> They've they've they should have never let Malcolm Brogdon go. They should have been willing to pay the tax to 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 keep him. So they they're kind of showing themselves to be cheap there and just about wanting to put, you know, butts in seats and make money and not necessarily go all in towards winning a title. Do you come to Giannis and offer him a max extension right now because you want to keep him because if you lose him, you, who knows the next time you're going to have a superstar. And if he says, "Eh, I just want to play out the year. I think you look at trading him in- instantly. I th- I think you try and get out now while you can, instead of being you know LeBron, 
and he just goes for nothing. Because uh, I just think, how are you going to get – they haven't necessarily – you know, their draft position doesn't lend them to being able to add top-tier guys. Um, I, I don't think Coach Bud is the kind of guy – he doesn't really develop young talent all that well. Uh, and they're just not going to be able to get free agents. Who's going to want to go play in Milwaukee – and be the sidekick to Giannis when Giannis, I think, after this series, you know, it it depends on what his personality is. Does he still want to be the alpha, or is he going to, like, want to be the, you know, be more Robin than Batman now? Yeah. Like, Anthony Davis should be an alpha, but he went to Los Angeles to go play with LeBron, who is the alpha. He's beta. What is Giannis going to want to do? Is he going to pull a Kevin Durant and just go bandwagon and, like you said, want to go be on the Warriors <laughs> uh, or, or, or whoever the, the team happens to be at that point in time when, whenever he's either being traded or, or on the market? I just I – don't, I don't think it's a good situation in Milwaukee. You know, they haven't – they have not built – that team is old. I mean, like all their – you know, they have a lot of – it's a lot of veteran guys, you know, who are their key contributors. And I just think – it's not going to be sustainable. Um, you know, they have to draft that next guy. So, you know, Middleton, great player. He's not a superstar. I don't think he's worth the money they're paying. They're paying him that money to keep him around. But all he does is he's just a spot-up shooter. He doesn't create his own shot. You can't – he's not like a Jason you – know, like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, each of those guys, slightly different games. But if they've got the ball and, and they're dribbling – you feel confident they can they can get their own shot. They can get to the hole. They can pull up. They can handle the ball. I don't know. Middleton doesn't do that. He's a spot-up guy. Giannis dominates the ball, but he doesn't have another guy that if the, he's being shut down or having an off game that they can get the ball to. It's all. Also, Giannis can't shoot. Giannis doesn't shoot. He's always seven in the last game from three. He doesn't shoot. Until he develops any type of outside shot, he is going to be what he is. He's going to get the ball and either drive – draw a foul or dunk on you because he's nine feet tall. It's like his game is just – it's very one-dimensional right now. He's obviously okay on the defensive end, but he can't shoot. And until he develops some type of shot and, and, and a better shot from the free throw line, I mean, I just don't think they have enough. And especially when Eric Bledsoe is part of your big three, technically, oh. he gives you nothing. What a mistake that is. Yeah. No, no. I, yeah, I said that too. Bro- they should have kept Brogdon because Bro- Brogdon is a much better player than Bledsoe. But they just didn't want to pay, which is which is shameful. So if Giannis leaves, if he decides he wants out, the Bucks had that coming to them. Absolutely had it coming to him. So, I mean, I'm not going to cry over it. I'll cry if he goes to the Warriors because that's just that'd just be a joke, you know. Imagine imagine next year you have or, or or in two years from now you have the Golden State Warriors tonight's starting lineup: Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obi Toppin and Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, God, please no. <laughs> could you imagine? It could happen. Uh, I yeah, definitely could. I mean, look, I think Giannis <laughs> eventually is going to go to a situation like Golden State. I just see it now. Golden State is in the top lottery draft this year. They're in like the what top three? Yes. Uh, I can see them easily drafting another guy. They'll either trade. 
uh, Wiggins and that guy for Giannis, or or they'll just sign him in free agency, and the Warriors will be good for another ten years, and I'm just going to be done with the NBA. I just see it now. I just see it. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to the Celtics. Uh. Uh. This is a question from uh, from Peter. The question for the Celtics is whether the leprechaun was allowed into the bubble. Uh, I'd say no, <laughs> based off of Game Three. Um, so don't really need to go too much into what happens in ga- happened in games uh, one and two. The Celtics, uh, you know, got up to nothing, and th- you know they they dominated Game One. Game Two, Marcus Smart went went bananas in the fourth quarter. Game three was a back-and-forth battle like you expected. And I know, Christian, we both said this. You needed to step on the Raptors' throats right then and there. You could not allow a team, especially a team that's got a championship pedigree now, that whole heart of a champion thing, you can't let them back in because it's just going to be so much tougher, especially in the bubble. You don't have a home court to go back to. You know, you don't have any, you know, you can't, like, rely on, hey, our fans look at us pumped up and, you know, game five back, you know, none of that. You've got to win had to win game three and they put themselves in a great position too. I mean, half a second left and you know, you're up two, and you, the whole thing is you don't want to give up a three, but you know that that's going to be a catch and shoot. I don't know. I've, I've taught, I've actually talked to some coaches. I've heard it both ways. Some people would play the zone, that same zone there. And you say, listen, that zone worked. Jalen Brown got sucked in a little too much. Uh, and and uh, I think it was Tice uh, didn't move over quick enough to because you know you have to defend that lob to the basket and that Brown you know recovered uh, maybe a little late but if he was any sooner he might have fouled um, in, in that in that case because he essentially came within like an inch of blocking the shot anyways you're asking Kyle Lowry to make a cross court pass over a seven seven guy and. It has to be on the money so that that guy who's the fourth option, OG Ananobi, can catch it and get it out of his hands in half a second or less. So that if you run that back ten times, ten out of ten times, that play shouldn't happen. It's it's a complete fluke. Uh, you know, you, you tip the cap to the Raptors. The other thing I said, too, was that there's like the butterfly effect if Daniel Tice lays that ball in off the glass instead of trying to dunk it. There actually isn't any time left, <laughs> but you can drive yeah. yourself you can drive yourself nuts, uh, which I have with stuff like that. So the Celtics lose Game Three uh, in that dramatic fashion. It was all about how do they respond, right? You're gonna lose a game in a series. How do you respond? And I don't know what to make of the response last night. I think they played hard. I, I don't I don't question their effort one bit. But I think they're kind of just falling into a little bit of a trap here with Toronto. And down the stretch, there were some times where I felt guys, Tatum in particular, a little too much hero ball at times. You know, he's he's trying to get out on the break and get to the rim one on five. And it's like, okay, you know, I don't mind him. I like him being aggressive. But you know what? Let's pull the ball out. Let's get a good shot. Let's maximize this possession. You know, unless you have a clear layup. You know, don't be just charging ahead against three guys. And, you know, they, they lose last night. And this series now is completely different. Completely different. I still think the Celtics are the better team. I think Brad Stevens has got to coach. He's a coach. He's a very good coach. So I think he knows what he's, he's seeing, what's happening on the floor. He's going to coach his guys better to react to that zone. I mean, guys got to move better. 
Guys got to learn to just shoot the shot when it's there before it gets closed down. Tatum is getting stripped frequently now on his little spin move that the Raptors are just jumping. So he's got to be aware of that in, in getting rid of the ball sooner, knowing that that double team is kind of coming from the backside. There's all these little details, you know, that are lead to like a lot of these turnovers or bad shots, which I think are correctable. But the big thing, and everybody I think always likes to get excited about this, this is where you miss Gordon Hayward. People like to get on Gordon Hayward. Oh, we, you know, for what you're paying him. But forget what you're paying him. He's on the team now. And he's, he's a member of the team. He's a contributor to the team. They need him on this team. Don't look at the price tag and, and what, what he, you know, to production. Because it's just, you, you, you'll never win with that kind of argument. He's the guy that's a zone buster. He can get into the middle of the defense. He can facilitate. He can play, he can play defense. He can pass. He's that extra guy that's just like you. It's like backbreaking. You can't account for, you know. The Raptors are really good defensively. They're trapping Kemba and then sprinting to everybody else. They're overplaying Tatum's pass, and Jalen Brown had a poor shooting night. And when you don't have another guy who can just kind of make you pay, this is what you have. This is what you get. And they're in a dogfight now. This series is going seven games. Well, uh, I don't agree, but. <laughs> let me uh, let me <laughs> let me go back a little bit. You don't agree? Uh, what you game, think they're going to get? You think it's going six and it's done? <laughs> yes, but I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Uh, I think uh, the response last night was awful. The the they were seven of thirty five from three. That to me, right there, means you lose the game. No questions asked. Um, and they're they're letting the Raptors off the hook by playing a lot of ISO. When guys in the middle are are wide open, there's there's a number of stills from this game where three Raptors are at the top of the key chasing either Kemba or Tatum. There's Tice and and uh, I believe this particular one was Tice in the middle, nobody near him, and uh, I want to say Tatum on the opposite side of the court, nobody near him. Brown shoots a three and breaks it. So Brown was not good in this game. I was expecting a lot more from him. Four of 18 is uh, not great. And I thought Kemba was uh, mediocre. I, I, I didn't think he took it too – I didn't think he took the ball enough. He didn't take enough shots. He shot the ball nine times. I mean, just to give you some context, I mean, want to make your shot five times. I don't think that's anywhere close to what you need from, from Kemba. Uh, smart, shot the ball eight times. It was not good. I don't think anybody was great last night, and Tatum – Tried to keep them in the game. He was a he was a plus zero, so you know net net uh, net net positive really. But he was the only player on the floor that that uh, was seemingly trying to win. Uh, you know, Jalen kept shooting, kept shooting over and over, and just absolutely missed everything last night. And they just didn't have enough. And it's it, because of that. It's overreacting season, and I'm going to go ahead and overreact. I think it's done. I think that game three loss. That, that is a huge swing. I don't think people understand how big of a swing that is, especially if the response last night, which I didn't love. Um, I, I think they'll come out and, and they'll pl- probably be much closer and much better in game five or game, yeah, game five. But uh, I don't know. I thought they were going to be much better in game four, and they were not. So I'm going to overreact and say they're done in six. I think, I think Toronto's going to win two more. I, I think you can't 
you can't argue with the with the stats, right? So I, you just look at the stats and say, oh, Kemba took these, has to take more shots. You know, he was bad. These shots weren't falling. Yes, I mean, total, that's that's the reason they lost is because shots didn't fall. I look at like the effort as far as what they were doing, and I think they made plenty of mistakes. Like I I, I didn't say that they played well. I said that I, I I don't think it's not like they didn't show up or try, you know, which is which is there's a difference there. So I'd say they showed up to play and they played hard. They just made a lot of mistakes that they need to correct. And like you said, one of those is the recognition of the way they're trapping guys and and doubling guys and and being and aggressive with that, with you know the, the box and one and all all the different things that Nick Nurse likes to to throw out there to disrupt you. That comes down to practice. I mean, I hope yesterday, uh, or today, rather, that they're in the bubble and they're they're practicing, and it's like, listen, we have to work on when this happens, getting the ball, you know, out of your hands quicker to this guy, and then you getting to this spot, so then you can get the ball back. And Kemba being off ball will go a long way towards him getting shots. Because if you're getting triple teamed, you're not going to be able to get more than nine shots in a game. So they have to find ways of of getting him the ball, uh, you know, in, in, in different areas. So that that's really what I think that, that comes down to. It comes down, it comes down to the coaching. Uh, in this series, I think the Celtics have the better players. Uh, I just think that it, for as much as Brad Stevens kind of undressed that team in game one and a little bit in game two, uh, games three and four go to Nick Nurse. You know, I, I just think that's where the the, the coaching comes into play. And specifically, they need to, at least the players, need to take that coaching and, you know, apply it on the floor. You just, you just need to be, there just needs to be better recognition in, in some of those situations. Yeah, I mean, look, overall field goal percentage, Toronto only shot 39.5%, Celtics shot 44%. So overall, it's like, oh, that, that's not bad. Well, where was the difference? Three points, three-point field goals. Seven of thirty-five. You're going to lose almost every game now in in this in today's NBA. If you shoot twenty percent from three, you're probably going to lose, especially when the other team shoots about forty percent. I mean, that's just the. I don't think they defended the three at all last night. I'll be honest, and I don't think they shot it well. So there's your game right there. Did they did they absolutely suck and just not come out and not perform and not try? No, I don't think so. But I think that game three to me was such a gut punch. And unless they come out in game five and, and show a little more, I think that the Raptors will win this series now. I don't think I'm not gonna go that far. Um I I I'd worry about uh if they lose game game five. Um but I gotta I gotta see game five first. If they lose game five, I'd agree it's over because it because at that point the Raptors are just feeling they were ready to pack it up. <laughs> they were ready to pack it up. Yeah. Same deal with the Bucks right now. You lose you go down three oh it's it's one it's basically impossible and two you're in the bubble um i don't know i uh there it, that this series is going to be an absolute slugfest now it's it's going to be a dogfight which is what which is what Marcus Smart said after the game last night he's like listen we're in a dogfight now that's that you know we can't can't pretend you know we have to be we have to be ready we got to be better you know that I like this team a lot because I think they play hard and they say all the right things. Um, it's just unfortunate what happened in Game Three because I felt like them winning that game when you knew Toronto was desperate was going to go a long way towards 
feeling like the Celtics are now championship ready. Um, this is just another one of those. It's like another. It's like a test. You know, you 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 have to. You're gonna have. You know, can they put a team like really put a team away in in when it when it's not cut in time against against an elite team? Um, this group has not done that. Period. Against you know they they were up to nothing against the Cavs in 2018. They lost that series. That's the game seven against the Cavs. That's the closest they've come to putting away an elite team. Every other year under Brad Stevens, when they've been against an, uh, an elite team, they have not won that series. You know the teams they beat: Washington, Chicago, Atlanta. Like they, those aren't elite teams. You know, Milwaukee a couple of years ago in the first round, they weren't yet what they are now. So I just think it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult now. And this is where this team's going to have to learn. This is something they have not done yet. And we'll see if they can do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm on the, I'm on the ultra negative now. I think the Celtics <laughs> are better and they should still win the series, right? I mean, I think they have the better roster. But at the same time... I just see you see the pendulum swing when stuff like that in game three happens when you're gonna you're about to be up three oh, put this team on the brink, and then you F up one play and they get a miracle shot and, and they turn it around. Because now they're firing. They're firing away. So I, I don't know. Game five is gonna be I think probably the closest game of the series, you're gonna be back and forth. And we'll see. I think whoever wins game five is probably gonna win the series. Yeah, I agree. So uh, moving on now uh, from uh, if you have any NBA thoughts or questions, you can certainly uh, send those uh, comment on the stream. Uh, we're broadcasting live here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, uh, and then we put the show out as a podcast uh, through SoundCloud and distributed to every podcasting platform imaginable on the planet. So if you can't catch us live, you can catch us there. Just look for The 360 Sports Show, and you can always email us questions throughout the week to the 360 Sports Show at Gmail. Com. So let's move on from uh, from the NBA and NHL, who are in their postseasons, to the NFL, which is opening this week. Dun, 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 dun. Thursday, season opener for the NFL. Uh, it just has felt like we were never actually going to get football. I think we're going to get football, Christian. We're just, it's just going to be about how long does it last. Yeah, I, I mean, at this stage... I mean, uh, it's different once the game start and teams start traveling. But at this stage, I feel like the players are, are taking this pretty serious. I'm not going to lie. I think, you know, even without the bubble, I think, you know, they, there's talk of a bubble for the postseason. But I don't know. I think I think we might get more football than, than people realize. Um, I think the players are, are actually pretty engaged about getting a season in. And, and, you know, obviously they get paid when they play, so – um, they want to play, um, and I think just from what I've seen in, in, in baseball, I think it's containable, um, and with all the testing that they have access to, I think we're going to get a full season in now. I'm, I'm fairly confident in that. Now, obviously, you never know what could happen, but just with uh, with everything that I've seen with baseball, and obviously they've had some, some mess-ups, but they're playing every other night, right? So if a team comes home and they have a COVID positive test, and then you can just sit that team out. I don't know how you make up. You know, you have some room at the end of the, the season, but I, I'm fairly confident right now that we're going to get more football, and uh, I'm I'm very very much okay with it. 
Yeah. I, I Confident in them starting, right, and, and beginning here. We don't know what it's going to look like after, say, two or three weeks of playing, how football, how, how, how things spread, you know, during, during a football yeah. game. We had college football yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Um, so they're going to try. I just I'm, – I'm pessimistic about how long it's going to last. What happens when there's that first outbreak on a team and, you know, uh, you know a guy plays in a game and then, you know, he didn't – you know, somehow he slipped through the cracks. He, he had, I don't get it. He tested negative. And then, you know – 18 guys on one team test positive and, like, 20 on another. Because football, you're so I – mean, we've been over this. In a football game, you're covered in sweat and spit and blood. and Like, it's just – it's a brutal game. You can't – you cannot social, be socially distant and play football. Impossible. Maybe if you're, you know, a, a safety um, and the team just runs the ball – the whole game, and you never even come near near anybody. Um, but at some point, you're going to have to make a tackle. So I think we're going to get two or three weeks of football. Around that week three point is where we're going to start to see, you know, uh, numbers. And at that point, if it's like, wow, these guys are being and, – and we've said, I think NFL guys are going to be responsible because they have to be because non-guaranteed contracts, right, and they, they want to make their money. And it comes down to being personally responsible. You're not in a bubble, but treat your home and your team like a bubble. Come to your facility, go home, be responsible. It can happen. It can work. Will it work? I don't know. I'm pessimistic. I think if you have even a couple of teams, one team, it'll take one team being like the Cardinals or the Marlins or any of these teams running out to casinos and bars and coming back and infecting their team to shut it all down because it just it's it's going to be way harder to control if a team plays and gets another team sick it's just the the at the, the trickle down from that is just going to be too much um on an nfl roster um, I, mean, but, I said this in baseball if you have a team that tests positive and they they're reckless like going out in the town that team should just sit. i don't know i i don't think there's any other way to deal it deal with it like if they're if you're eight games into the season, then a team is is uh, like you know what? Let's just I don't care. Let's just go out and, and party. That team should just be done. I don't know. I, I, yeah, if somebody's yeah, like I mean, I one, one and eight, one and nine, and you know yeah. they're going out to bars. It's like you know what, guys? You clearly don't care. So you know what? See ya. Season's over. Yeah, and I don't know if you give the other team a net win. I don't know how it happens, but I think. Uh, you know, I just maybe it's just that I want football, but I'm hopeful that they'll they'll get uh, a lot of games in. Yeah. Uh, who do you got in the opener? Um, Pete again brings up a good question. With no preseason, how will Las Vegas be able to set the lines for Week One? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know how much preseason usually plays into the lines. Anyways, obviously, we really have nothing to look at. You don't know what any of these teams are gonna. You know, we don't know what like Cam Newton's going to look like on the Patriots. We have no idea what much of this is going to look like. Uh, I'd say it's just probably, you know, Vegas always seems to know things. So yeah. I, I, I'd say it's just based off of a lot of their own insider type of information. Uh, you know, that whatever research is usually done to set those lines. Um, let me see if I can find the lines for uh, 
for this opening game because I'm I'm it's the same way you I'm do interested. you know you do like Patriots the loss of Super Bowl what's their chances next year I think you just base it kind of off what yeah. you've seen all right let's see season opener Houston at Kansas City Kansas City minus ten so the Chiefs favored by ten points on Banner Night. Um, yeah, I gotta take the Chiefs in that game. I mean, pfft. it's usually that that it's very rare that the team raising the banner loses on opening night. It does not often happen because um, usually that team is just so fired up <laughs> and and ready to go, uh, and it's just such a, a tough. But then again, you know what? I'd say normally it's just such a tough atmosphere to play. Now I don't know. You know, that's going to be – that's, like, the thing that's crazy. Normally it's like, oh, the home team gets three points. Is that going to happen this year? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. KC has fans, right, like 20%? 30%. Do they? I've, I I, I guess I'm for, I'm forgetting that too, that that uh, that some of these – that it's just not been blanket. 20, 22% is what they said in April. I don't know if that's Let's still a thing, but – uh, da, 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 da. Fans or no fans? Where's some NFL teams stand? Let's see. Twenty-two percent capacity. Wow. Yeah. So how do you do that? A little something. How do you stop yeah. like those twenty? You know that twenty-two percent from like all coming to one section? You tell me. I like bought a nosebleed seat, and I'm like, there's nobody sitting at the fifty-yard line. You're gonna stop me from going down and sitting there? <laughs> you you have to have yeah. more people than there are fans to manage people in the stadium at that point. Unless, like, you have, like, some new stipulation, like, hey, if you move your seat, you're kicked out and can never come back again. <laughs> so 22%, so the capacity is about 7,700, 76 and a half, uh, yeah, 76 and a half thousand. So 22% of that is going to be, like, 16, almost 17,000 fans. <clears throat> how do you That's manage that? I don't know. How do you manage that? Well, I don't know. Like, how do you? <laughs> this is why I say there's no hope, Christian. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I just, yeah, uh, I, I just know. think the logistics of that, the money. You, you, what do you hope? So then, you having fans? I imagine you're having concessions, right? You have to. What's the yeah, point of going to the yeah, hundred percent. Who's going to go to a game if they can't get a beer and they can't get uh, some food? But then, like, I'm sure, there's going to be ways of doing it, but there's definitely going to be concessions. There's no doubt. How, how do you? You going to have somebody managing the lines in the bathroom, making sure you know, hey, everybody stay, you know, every, is every other year. I mean, you know, guys, we already know every other urinal is all, we're already socially distant when we go to the bathroom anyway. But you know, how, how do you? <laughs> how is any of that? Like, I feel like it's just the logistics of, of you know, because what happens then if. You know, hey, play, you don't have to worry about the players getting sick from that, but what happens if all your vendors get sick? You know, then what does that yeah. do? What's the yeah, liability of that? <laughs> uh, we'll see. I know the Patriots have already said at least through September, they'll probably keep upping that, and it'll be October and then November. You know, no fans. Um, they toyed around with the idea of letting you tailgate at, at, the, at, the, at the, the stadium, but again, what does that accomplish? You're just, that's just I mean, a Tailgating would be worse. It's just a, yeah, that's just a mass gathering of people, which is right now not advised. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say is it's now you know stadiums are outdoor. If they like, I don't know. I I think it's doable, but that's 
still really weird. But, I mean, hey, it adds to the game, I guess, because now you're going to have 17,000 fans there for KC, presumably. I doubt any anybody from Houston's going there because of quarantine rules and everything like that, right? So, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, oh, so week one, who are you, who are you taking? I'm taking the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are absolutely going to smack the Texans. I think they're going to score like 50-something points. Yeah. Uh, quick note, actually. Uh, Deshaun Watson signed an extension. Yeah. Uh, do you think that was a smart move for him, or should he have waited to see if uh, Billy O'Brien gets fired before he decides to sign up for X number of more years still in Houston? Um, good question. Fire him. Yeah, I, well, I think he could be fired. I'm just saying, like, if you're a Watson, do you take that contract now? Like, evidently, like, they've had, like, they've had their troubles. I mean, there's been, like, that locker room's kind of had some upheaval, and it's been, you know, there's been spats back and forth. I mean, maybe maybe this is more COVID-related, like, hey, you know what? I better take this money now while it's on the table. Um, yeah. I guess I'm a little surprised because it seemed like he was a guy that, like, might just want to play out the year and then go be a free agent. I guess that's more where I was coming from. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I don't know. He took the deal, though, right? So, I mean, I think that's good for Houston because I think if, if Watson's healthy, I think he can get to a, to another level, hopefully. But, yeah. Right. A lot of money. So let's move on uh, to our New England Patriots. Uh, Cam Newton is the starter, or is he? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. <laughs> evidently, the, all reports are, and a lot of the players have said, yeah, Cam's been named the starter, and Bill Belichick refused to admit as, as much. Um, but we, I think we all kind of saw that coming. So Cam Newton will be the week one starter for the Patriots. Uh, they made their cuts yesterday. They cut uh, their... Um, white supremacist kicker, and they also cut Nick Folk, so they don't have a kicker right now, but I expect that that is a situation where they wanted to keep somebody on their roster, and so they're, they know they can cut bait with Folk and bring him right back, and so you watch today, tomorrow, yeah, somebody's going to be IR'd, and they're going to bring Folk back. That's what, that's what I think. But your reactions, Christian, to Cam Newton being named the uh, – the de facto starter here. Yeah, I'm so surprised. Uh, that quarterback competition was really intense with Stidham <laughs> and Hoyer. Oof, don't forget, don't forget uh, Gerwerky or Nerwerky, whatever the other guy's name was. Oh, yeah, Gerwerky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gerwerky or something. Oh, yeah, I don't even know. But, uh, yeah, there, there was no competition from the start. Uh, Newton was going to be a starter, which, you know, uh, I hope and I wanted that to be the case. Um because I think he gives you the best chance to win. I mean, look, I think Stidham, is there a chance he's the guy? Sure, but he's not there yet, uh, clearly. And and Hoyer, we know what Hoyer is. He's an, he's a, uh, you know, good backup. Uh, but I don't think he's a starter in the league. I think he's like one and I don't even know. I'll, let me look this up real quick. But I think Hoyer in his last, like, 16 starts uh, is like two and – 14 or something like that. Or he was the quarterback for the Browns for a while. I say we take away the Browns stats because I remember watching those games and it was typical. It was it was it was typical of Browns where it's like they're in the game, they're winning, and then like something backbreakingly horrific happens. I almost feel like any Browns quarterback, unless they throw a pick six, should not be held responsible because that franchise is just cursed. 
Well, in this in this case, to fit my argument, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> uh, I think Hoyer's not great. That's what I'll say. No. I think he, he's not he going to. a backup. He's he's a solid backup. But Cam Newton is a starter uh, without a doubt. Here, they're going to be a a heavy run, uh, maybe option team, and uh, their their wide receiver crew sucks. But um, you know they have running backs, right? So they're going to be a run run heavy team. Hopefully, the offensive line, I guess, is looking good just from what I've seen from camp. And then on the defensive side, you hope uh, the secondary holds up, and they can do some things with the guys up front. So you know. Heavy run defense team. They got to be tough up front on the line, both lines, and uh, I think they'll be okay. Uh, you know, I don't even remember what we said. It was long ago, but I would say when we were doing the schedules. But I would say like nine and seven, ten and six, Ooh. something like that. I can actually, I can pull that up for us right now. I was actually just looking at that because I saw somebody else was making predictions about the the season, and they had like the the Bills going like five and eleven. I'm like, what? Are you crazy? Yeah. The Bills yes. might win the division. <laughs> like, this is insane. Very well good. Yeah, our our prediction for the Patriots, we both said nine and seven. Um, yeah, that's with a, a four and two divisional record and seven and five conference record. So they're probably gonna be a wild card team. Um yeah. we had Miami at eight and eight or, or nine and seven, kinda hovering around that area. Uh bad divisional record. Uh Buffalo Nine and seven, ten and six in that that area. Um, the Jets we both had it four and twelve. Um, and then just for context sake, we said that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to go eleven and five, and I don't think anything's changed on that. Um, nope. So uh, that's every, no matter what ha- happens this year, the Patriots and the Buccaneers are just going to be forever linked. It's just it, you're just going to always be gauging one against the other um, because of the whole Tom Brady thing. What do you think, Christian, about um, Newton being named a starter? Or, sorry, not a starter, a uh, a captain. Um. Well, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, one, the one question is why is Edelman not a captain? But uh, in terms of Newton being a captain, I think. I mean, look, all we've heard. I mean, we're getting this storyline shoved down our freaking throat that. His energy, his energy at practice, his energy, his energy, his energy. He's not high energy, high energy. Uh, so I'm not surprised. And I think Newton, I mean, look, notoriously, Newton is known for, you know, a lot of people think he's an a-hole, but he really hasn't, He he's had some stirrups with, like, the media and stuff, like that female reporter one time, obviously. But overall, I don't think Cam Newton's a bad guy. It's not like he's running around like Antonio Brown out here and his teammates love them in Carolina. So I'm not surprised, and I think, you know, he gets a bad rap because he kind of has the attitude in his post game. And, you know, does he have that, that thing like where he, he's going to dive and get the ball in front of him in the Super Bowl? But overall, Newton's not a bad guy. And I think he's fine to be a captain. And, and you know, everywhere you see, teammates love him. So that's what that's what matters, what's inside the locker room, not what people think of him outside. Yeah. Uh, any concerns? I know you probably have some concerns here about this. Uh this Patriots team, I think they're going to be solid. I think as long as Newton's healthy, I think he adds an extra element to them that they've never had. Um, I know you're worried about the wide receiver group. I'm not. I actually think that the guys they have is going to suit what they want to do, but I know this is something that you're passionate about, Christian, so I'll let you uh, I'll let you take the lead on the wide receiver core here. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's no better than last year, and they sucked last year. I mean, I don't think Tom's attitude helped, and I think Newton's will because I think he'll work with the guys like Nikhil Harry and, and uh, Myers and Edelman. I'm not even sure. I, I know Devin Ross was released, I believe, yesterday. I'm not even sure who technically are the wideouts on their uh, on their uh, depth chart are. But I know, obviously, Edelman, you start there, um, and then Harry, Olszewski, Slater, technically, and Harry. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're throwing uh, Demir Bird, Edelman, Harry, Myers, and Olszewski out there. I don't like your chances, uh, I'll be honest. I don't think any one of those – like, I like what you have in Myers. <clears throat> I think if you work with him a little bit more, maybe he can get to a certain spot. But <clears> – <throat> Harry, I you know nothing that I've seen is saying he's blowing everybody away. Uh, maybe you get him the ball in space sometimes and and let him go. But this is going to be a run heavy. Uh, you know, I mean, look, all we've heard about is Damian Harris is the second coming of Barry Sanders. So he's hurt now, but we'll see what they have with him. I think you know they do a lot of that redshirt stuff with with guys like that. But I think it's going to be a run heavy team. And obviously, they're going to have to throw the ball down the field a bit, which obviously, like you mentioned, Newton can do just based on, you know, you have the option of he's going to run the ball. Running back will run the ball. Um, he can he can move a little bit more. Um, so that'll help get guys open. But I just, I don't love their wide receiver group. Beyond Edelman, I think you have a bunch of guys that are like uh, like a C. I don't know. I, I think they're going to be a heavy run and defensive team, and they got to control the line of scrimmage they're going to do anything. I think in an offense with Tom Brady, not ideal. I think in an offense with Cam Newton, I think these guys are going to be very successful. I think you're going to have got I mean I think uh Myers um is going to have uh, uh a big second year. I think Nikhil Harry, a guy that they that you can just put the ball up for. I just think there's going to be a lot more trust and Newton's going to have worked with these guys a lot more. I think I think you're going to see it, it's it's going to look the offense is going to look different. Uh, I think guys like Bird and Myers and, and Edelman who just want to run crisscross across the field and, and and all sorts of stuff are going to get open um, and and be in a position because Newton can extend plays. Those guys are going to be able to succeed more. I I don't think we're going to see a lot of timing little angle routes you know one two balls out of the hands the guy's just turning it's at his you know uh you know uh shoelaces and he grabs it i, I just don't think the offense is going to look at all the same i agree with you it's going to be run heavy but i think a lot of their passing is going to come off of play action and a lot of it's going to become off of boots and extending the play and just creating mismatches and angles and a lot of a lot of the pick stuff that they like to do I just think all these kind of quick guys, and you have a guy like Harry that you can get the ball up to that's a little more physical. Uh, I think it's just going to – I think they're going to be fine offensively because Cam Newton's not Tom Brady, you know, facts. So I think if you were trying to have this sort of precision passing game and attack, I'd be worried. I just think you need guys to be quick and get open, and I worry more about Newton being able to get the ball – two spots accurately, but if they run the offense in a certain way, he might not have to. I think the guys who are going to get a lot of balls is going to be James White, I think is going to get tons more catches this year. 
because look what they, they did with Christian McCaffrey. You know, I think James White is going to be a much bigger. Normally, fantasy-wise, you say, like, stay away from Patriot running backs. I think as much as Edelman was the outlet for Tom Brady, I think James White is going to be a huge boost for Cam Newton. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, look, I think they're going to they, – they have the potential to absolutely suck in the first two weeks just because of all the newness. Uh, number one, your starting quarterback just got here really, really late and – then obviously just made cuts, no preseason. So they could potentially just not do much in the first two weeks, but I don't think that's anything to be alarmed of. I think this first, you know, four to six weeks for Belichick is going to be like implementing different things and getting guys up to speed. They're going to have to, early on, they're going to have to rely on their defense. That's where a lot of their guys are, you know, uh, they have a couple opt-outs, but that secondary is still intact. So that's where they're going to have to make some noise. And, I mean, I think they'll be okay on the offensive side once once they kind of get up to snuff. But um, Newton obviously adds another element, which is good. And hopefully Damian Harris comes back and can give you something running the ball because I'm not sure what Sony Michelle is at this point. Um, but I think they're they're going to struggle early on. But I think they'll be they'll be a, they'll be a solid team by the end of it, right? They'll be nine and seven, ten and six, maybe eight and eight somewhere in there, and they'll compete for the division. I think there's there's no question that they're going to compete. Yeah. Um, so that kind of does it for our for our, for our NFL bit. Uh, one last thing I wanted to hit on um, before we uh, before we step away here for this latest edition of the 360 Sports Show. Uh, big news in the the world of sports. Uh, Lionel Messi uh, is going to be staying in Barcelona because uh, surprise surprise he didn't want to pay seven hundred million dollars to be able to get out of his contract. <laughs> Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, big, big news. I mean, he he was ready. It seemed like he wanted to leave um, Barcelona, uh, but you know, they there was a window where he had to opt out of his contract or, or file to 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 move, and uh, he missed that. Uh, and the the penalty for such it would have it will it would have been he would have had to have bought out his contract or he could have sued the team. Uh, to let to let you know so that they could let him go, and I, he just didn't want to do that. It seems you know for you know he has too much respect. I get, I have too much respect for the team to to sue them, but I want to leave. Um, and obviously that seven hundred million dollars is a ridiculous price tag, even though money in professional football soccer is uh is crazy. I don't think anybody was going to want to pony that up for him. No, and. So he had he had a potential offer from I believe it was Manchester City for like seven hundred and fifty million I want to say to play for them for five or six years they would pay out his, the rest of his deal now just give him seven hundred million that he's owed and then in that contract seven hundred freaking million dollars. And he's 33 years old. He would have to play for FC Chicago, I want to say, in the MLS at the end of that contract. They're going <laughs> to offer him almost a billion dollars and pay his contract out to – yeah, it's just – that is insane to me. Seven Number one, you stop at $700 million and say, what the hell? But they were going to pay his contract out, $750 million to play for them, and then he had to go to the MLS for like a year or two at the end of the deal – just for almost a billion dollars. That is insane. Yeah. 
You thought baseball money was crazy. <laughs> My God. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't He's like, yeah, he owns the world at that point. I don't know. Yeah. So that'll do it for this episode of the 360 Sports Show. Remember, we're live every Sunday at 11 a.m., broadcasting on Facebook Live, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope. You can find us there on any of those platforms. Thank you to everybody who sent in thoughts and comments throughout the show. If you can't catch us live, you can always subscribe to the podcast on a litany of podcast platforms so you never miss a show. And remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 360 Sports Show. I'm Andrew Bazzelli. He's Christian Lauber. Stay safe, everybody. Do it.